Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mavs Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaron. Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 116-108 to road loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. The Mavericks moved to 37-40 and with only five games left. With every game, more state changing, more dire, more just everything on the table for every game at this point. The Mavericks scored five minutes in the last six minutes and 22 seconds, uh, five points, excuse me, not minutes. Um, uh, but otherwise, they just suffered a total, you know, sort of offensive collapse in the latter, you know, minutes of the game. And we've seen that throughout stretches all season. There were a lot of different postgame quotes uh, coming from some of the Mavericks better players, as well as role players, head coach, everything like that. Uh, this game has a lot of layers to it to get into um, all of which are pretty bad. And uh, nonetheless, we'll be getting into all of that. But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for podcasters. All right, Jaron. So getting into it, we had another explosive start for the Mavericks where they scored 37 in that first quarter in large part due to their ability to shoot out of the four on three scenarios and, uh, they, they just looked really prolific, uh, kicking the ball around the arc and getting open shots. Uh, they had that same sort of uh, movement in the fourth quarter, but it just didn't pan out for them, and they subsequently missed a lot of shots. We've seen this recipe more than one times this year uh, where the Mavericks will have a good first and second quarter uh, just by virtue of their shooting, and then they can't put two halves together because uh, they're shooting – sort of blows away when it matters most. Uh, do you know, what do you necessarily attribute this to, in your opinion? I mean, you know, look, like, as the game goes on, you can't expect a team to, I guess, you know, keep that same shooting intensity that they had the, uh, like, previous half or whatever. I mean, like, one game that kind of brings – one game that comes to mind whenever you mention that is, like, the Lakers' Christmas Day game. That was one where, you know, in the first half it was really bad, and the second half – Mavericks started making some shots and that was the turnaround of the game. But here, you know, is clearly, and it has been for the last like 20, 30 games where the Mavericks in the first half or first quarter um, are making, you know, shots. They're making their three point line or uh, they're making their three point shots. And then in the fourth quarter or second half, it just falls apart. Um, You know, to me, I think I would most equate it to, uh, I mean, I, I hate to put this question in again, but, you know, yet again, like, this team is so, you know, just depth, like driven or like there's just zero depth on this team. Not that there's no depth, but, you know, as a game wars on, like, I don't know, like if Tim Hardaway, for instance, like we know his shooting woes, like there's just so much different variety of guys like Tim Hardaway. You can't really expect him to, you know, be lights out for four quarters in a row. Like he's just not that kind of guy. Yes. You know, he has his games every once in a while where he's like that, but, and then same for Reggie Bullock, like, there's just guys like this. And then, you know, same with the defense. Like it's easy to pick up on that and it's easy to, you know, adapt. And I mean, unlike the Mavericks do most times, like actual other teams who have somewhat of a defensive DNA actually make changes at halftime. 
Um, and I think that's probably the biggest thing, uh, just, you know, perimeter defense, but it, it just sucks whenever, you know, there's one quarter and it's always the fourth quarter for the Mavericks where the shooting just drops off a cliff. Um, and it, 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 it sticks out like a sore thumb, but, you know, I think the big thing for this team in years past, and, you know, you can still see it at times was uh, live and die by the three-point line. Um, again, you know, you don't see that as much in this year. Uh, but still, there's so, there's that DNA. There is that um, sort of backbone for this team. And whenever they don't have the three-point shot falling, like that's whenever the the um, offense gets really stagnant. We saw that, you know, in multiple fourth quarters now in the last 10 games. Um, of course, this Philly one, and uh, I forget what game it was where they only had like 12 in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it was fairly recent. Yeah, it was one of their more recent games. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyways, like it, it just leads to stagnation and, you know, stagnant offense. I mean, it's not pretty to see, but like I said, whenever they are falling, you know, you can score 40, you can score 37, like for this instance, in a single quarter. But um, outside of that, I just don't think it's something that, you know, you can expect for four quarters. Yeah, I would definitely second you on that. And just regarding the whole live and, three, live and die by the three complex that this team sort of suffers too. It's obviously something that Jason Kidd spoke about at the beginning of the season, uh, saying that that was something that they wouldn't be attuned to, but we've seen quite the opposite as the season has evolved and the Mavericks reliance on their role players um, and just the sort of one dimensionality that persists there has sort of forced the issue that they are a live and uh, die by the three team and they don't really have much of a way to escape it just via their personnel. You know, you have the two shot creating um, spearheads and Luca and Kyrie. And when people are trying to force the ball out of their hands and uh, you know, you have a team like with multiple good wing defenders, like one, like the 76ers, then that's really going to force your hand to try and move the ball around the perimeter or move it to the middle of the floor and try to find open shooters and, any capacity because uh you know while one of those guys being on the floor um with the other one does remediate a lot of the shot creation woes and things of that nature you know if you can still trap good things of that nature you know two people is not enough to slow down the whole brigade they can um they can still you know force the mavericks to play their game to an extent and i think that that's been a lot of their woes as as well as just you know when we talk about their fourth quarter shooting woes uh things tend to get a little bit more nerve-wracking in the fourth quarter and i i just think that we've seen too much of a sample size to think that the mavericks have that uh clutch dna for lack of a no, better term uh, they, I mean, they they just have choked like too many time after time like I, I don't know what else to say and i'd like to say that you know oh, we can attribute this to negative regression or you know, this just because they shot good in the first half, but there's been too many times where they've shot good the whole game, you know, at 76 games through, 77 games through rather at this stage. And they just can't make a bucket come when it matters most. And, you know, with Luca and Kyrie, we, we've seen it with them a little bit as well since they've been here, but we've, all, we've also seen positives. Um, but overall, I, I think just team-wide, it's been uh, pretty negative from that aspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you make it out? What did you make out uh, to be the game, Jaron? Um, barring just that um, sort of really uh, that that lullaby of a uh, fourth quarter where the Mavericks uh, lulled you to sleep with their offense that took up the 
whole shot clock and um, just basically made you want to turn your TV off. Uh, barring that, what did you take from the Mavericks from the first three quarters of the game? I mean, honestly, like, I, I think that this probably coexists with every Mavs fan that watched the game. I, I think that, honestly, they played really well um, through three through three quarters, that is. Um, I mean, defensively in that first quarter, I think that there were some questions um, just regarding the, the start. You know, there's too many e- easy inside baskets, but we see that this team have the tendency to do that or allow that, I should say. Um, but yeah, offensively, I don't really think that there's much you should question. I think, you know, whenever the offense is clicking, as we mentioned with the three point shooting that, you know, everything looks perfect. Everything looks fine and dandy. Uh, but the second, you know, the, the wrench is, you know, bogged in, there's a, there's a, a lid over the hole, uh, or there's a lid over the basket. Um, it, it's just whenever, like I said, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, but yeah, you know, through three quarters, I, I think that there's a lot that, a lot of positives you can take away. Um, again, you know, nothing that I don't think we don't know at this stage in the season. Um, you know, you know, barring I guess some positive Javale McGee minutes there for a second, I don't really think yeah. that there's anything out of the norm. I mean, I think uh, that the offensive process was very reminiscent of what it's been ever since Kyrie's got here. Um, a lot of, yeah. I thought him and Luca coexist fairly well in terms of the splitage of their reps. Uh, they were running a lot of – they're trying to use Luke out of the post a little bit more. I think that's a wrinkle that they've been exploiting a little bit more recently. Um, barring that, we didn't really see anything from a rotational perspective that wowed me. The Mavericks deferred to, you know, running Kyrie off a lot of staggers and rescreens, And then, you know, Luca, you know, they did a few. They've been sprinkling in some, you know, direct – you know, pick and pops or flare screens with one of Luca and Kyrie at the same time, uh, which is, you know, started to open things up for them. But like we say, I mean, they just simply, you know, no matter what the play is or what kind of schematics you instill, this team just doesn't have enough dynamism from people outside of Luca and Kyrie offensively uh, within that starting lineup. And, you know, better yet, you know, within, you know, even if you tap into that bench, maybe barring Tim Hardaway Jr., when he's really getting it going or Christian Wood when he's getting it going uh, to, to remediate the issues of their one dimensionality that uh, continually persists within this team. You know, I, I, th- I don't know I, regarding Christian Wood, you know, it just seemed it's hit or miss with him essentially and hit or miss with his minutes at this stage in the year. Is there anything that you wanted to speak to regarding his recent stretch? Cause it seemed as if he was going to start clocking more minutes there for a while and, he hasn't as of recently. I mean, he's kind of been up and down in that category. So um, wh- what do you think about him and his role on the team at the moment and the Mavericks center position as a whole as of recently? Uh, I mean, you know, Maxi, I believe this was his first game back from injury. I want to say he missed two games previously. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I do know that there's pretty much a full healthy roster at this point. So to honestly answer that question, you know, he only clocked 12 minutes in this one, and I believe he only clocked 17 minutes in the Pacers one. Um, I, I, you know, I, cause it did seem like he was clocking in the high twenties or at least mid twenties at the very least there for probably a week or two stretch. Um, now I think that this team, they see the, I guess, inability on defense, um, which, you know, of course there's going to be defensive woes, but as of recently, like we've seen the offense be more stagnant at times than the defense. 
Um, I, I think that's saying a lot because the defense has been pretty atrocious there for a while, but um, it at least seems like there's been, I guess, really over the last two, three games. Yeah. Ever since yeah. those Hornets losses, I think that there's been more of a concerted defensive effort from the team. Exactly. I, I don't think that it's remediated all their issues by any means. I mean, they still suffer from uh, lack of personnel in that department, but um, it has been a nice influx of effort that has admittedly led to some, uh, you know, had let, led to a little bit more stops, uh, you know, this has led them to get more turnovers. Now, conversely, I think it's been hurting them on the glass even more so um, because they simply just don't have the length or the wherewithal to compete for some of these rebounds. And when they defend so hard and, you know, there's a long miss, they're, they're just kind of hard pressed to be able to get in position to get an offensive rebound because they're in such scramble mode all the time with the amount of effort that they have to, you know, overtly put in on defense to compensate for uh, their lack of size and their lack of foot speed, things of that nature. Um, but nonetheless, it's it's still been nice for them to, you know, have at least tried harder on that end. But the center position as a whole, I mean, I, I think that it can also be tied into that um, because, you know, you see a guy in JaVale who kind of just looked as if he put on uh, the try-hard suit all of a sudden at game 77 yeah. of the season. I mean, you know, earlier in the season, it just kind of seemed like he was just out there to be out there. You know, I don't, I don't want to call this a resurgence of sorts because it's so deep into the season, but he has looked um, like a guy who is able to, you know, really guard up defensively, especially against some of these, uh, you know, bigger seven footers and he's moving his feet a lot better. This is of course in limited minutes and we didn't like see a whole lot of direct action on Embiid and things of that nature. But what do you think of the Mavericks center rotation as they approach the playoffs here, if they make the playoffs slash play in, we don't know if they will or not. Uh, but do you think that there's any sort of wrinkles that they can go to? And do you think that this is fool's gold with JaVale or do you think this is a real sort of resurgence with him and him as an old, you know, wily veteran, you know, just trying to crank the intensity up right before the playoffs because he was saving his energy. There's, there's definitely some questions. I feel like now, um, you know, we've never seen JaVale play at least to this intensity for two games in a row. Um, so to see him have that sort of, you know, quote unquote resurgence or whatever you want to call it um, in the lineup is honestly pretty, pretty cool. And it's a sight for sore eyes, honestly. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, it definitely does bar some questions. You know, the center rotation, I think, was something that was never really in question once we figured out the starting lineup with Dwight Powell. Uh, it was always something that, you know, you could look forward to if you needed offense, you plug in Christian Wood. Um, whenever Maxie was healthy, if you needed defense, you have Maxie right there. Um, now with JaVale McGee, it's like, you know, I, mean, I, minutes... I wouldn't say that it wasn't in question. Maybe not, maybe not. No, for it wasn't in question. Kid. Like there's, uh, there was a, well, no, like, I feel like it was in question rather, but I, what I was trying to allude to is that maybe it wasn't in question for Jason Kidd, but for us, I do feel as if the, okay, and, and yeah, a lot of okay. mass fans, the center on, on the court, it wasn't yeah. in question because you, you got what you got, but yeah, you know, from a, an outside perspective, it definitely was uh, in question because you can't have a center lineup of Dwight Powell, Christian Wood, and Maxi Kluba and expect to make a deep playoff run of that. You just can't have – you you know, that's just not possible. But um, I guess we made it possible last year, I won't lie. But um, so, like, I, I don't know. I think adding JaVale or at least making him, you know, somewhat feasible in a, a rotation definitely adds some questions. Um, you know, 
he's not the most athletic or he's honestly pretty athletic but he's not the like you know cure all he's not the band-aid for you know whatever problems that this center rotation has had he's not going to do that but he at least adds some depth um and you know some rim protecting I know he had that you know one insane block on James Harden that they ended up calling goaltending I think that was a pretty clean block myself yeah me too. Uh, yeah but you know he odd he adds that sort of perspective that this team just doesn't simply have and they haven't had for you know this whole season so adding that alone I, I think can you know bring some sort of intensity or some sort of heart to this team that they just don't have so I, I think it definitely you know like I said raises questions raises some eyebrows about what you can do with that rotation headed into the you know play in or playoffs whatever this team ends up doing um and I, I mean like I said like I think that that's probably the best thing because I, I mean or, uh, Chris Jason Kidd Jesus um you know he apparently has everything figured out come playoff time but it doesn't look like we're gonna make playoffs so I think adding some sort of question here and there is honestly a good thing for uh, the big old Brewster, Jason Kidd. It, it'll it'll brew up some questions for him. So he'll actually get some free thinking um, and, you know, maybe question what he's doing in his coaching rotation, which might not be the worst thing. So that, that's that's what I was going to yeah. say. So. Yeah, I don't know exactly what to attribute to JaVale's uh, resurgence. We've seen these little pseudo resurgences from him uh, at one point or another throughout the season. And we're also, you know, like I said, don't try to be, uh, you know, don't take this verbatim, take it as, you know, potential fool's gold. You know, I, I would view JaVale in the lens as a pseudo rim protector because at the end of the day, you know, he, he can do a decent job. He's athletic, he's strong, um, but, you know, he's a little slow, slow to react, you know, comparable to some of the better rim protectors in the NBA. Um, and he's also getting up there in age. So, you know, his shelf life in terms of his minutes is going to be 10 to 15 of, you know, actual solid minutes at most. So just tread carefully on that train, but his, um, resurgence has definitely been welcomed. It's helped remediate a little bit of the rim protection problems the Mavericks have definitely not them in their entirety, nor has he helped like the rebound problems in their entirety. Um, but you know, has he, has he aided to them like 5%? Yes. So that much is good. Otherwise, uh, we kind of see continue to see Jason Kidd uh, toy with the back half of the rotation in this one, but there are no major adjustments. You know, we're still getting uh, a fresh dosage of Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, just the main staples in the Mavericks rotation off the bench or, you know, starting or in that, you know, could be starting, could be bench territory uh josh green of course you know he's been relegated to playing more off the bench and that's not necessarily something i would um i'm really pressed about because of his sort of up and down skittish play as of recently uh i would maybe like to see them divert more to some vertons and morris minutes uh justin holiday had been very bad offensively before this little stretch so i i can't really fault kid for not playing him but i mean he did his defense was invaluable, so uh, but Frank was out last game, so maybe he'll come back because he had had a little, he had a few decent games as of recent. He had uh, actually been serviceable, uh, running some pick and rolls. I mean, he wasn't this offensive, um, just uh, grace saver by any means, but he he was coming in and he was being a lot less one dimensionality. Looked a lot more comfortable than he had at previous stretches uh, throughout his tenure here. So. He had looked decent def uh, defensively as of recent as well. 
So, I mean, there's some things they can do to toy, um, you know, with the back half of the roster to like truly maximize what they're getting out of this team. But at the end of the day, I mean, even if you, and I've said this time and time, time in and time out again, even if you insert Christian Wood and play him properly in the starting lineup with Maxi and, you know, you, or JaVale or, you know, even if you maximize the starting five, you know, this team's personnel issues simply go beyond that. And um, they're because of that, they're still suffering at this point in the season. I mean, maybe the Mavericks have like marginally, you know, a few more wins, maybe two or three more wins yet. Heck they could be in the playing race. And I mean, sometimes that's all it takes, man. So that, I guess that's why it stings a little bit more, but I don't know how much more rotation or coaching adjustments. And this is not me trying to shed Jason Kidd a blame. I just think that the personnel issues on this team are so bad that I just don't know what other coaching or rotational adjustments really could have been done throughout this season to actually significantly have affected this team's uh, positioning in the standings just because of their personnel issues. I mean, sure, you may be able to, you know, marginally, you know, swing the tide by a few games, I'm sure. Um, But even if Kidd had the perfect rotations dialed in, this team has just been suffering throughout their perimeter defensive woes as well as their interior defensive woes and their one dimensionality on offense uh, too heavily this season. I was curious to see well, where, which, where your opinion is on that matter, Jaren. I mean, you know, we've, I feel like we've been talking about the same matter for or the same topic for, you know, probably since the beginning of the season, um, you know, this team's depth, this team's um, lack of personnel has come to bite them in the ass over, I mean, what the Mavericks have been, I think now in 51 clutch games, I'm not sure how many of those they've won, but um, it's probably a lower percentage than they've uh, lost. Uh, th- that's all I'm going to say. So I, I I think that, yes, the personnel is a, probably a direct issue. I don't know if this is, you know, it starts up top. It starts with the team building general manager where they started, um, how they wanted this roster to look. And, you know, clearly it's not either what they wanted or it's not, you know, how it's supposed to be. Um, I I do think that this is an unfinished roster, but if you look, uh, you know, at next season and the off season, you know, this free agency class, even who's really available for trading or like, there's just really nobody that can, you know, really move the needle that much. So I, I don't really know exactly where this team is. I mean, I, 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 I would maybe push back on that. Okay, um, like if a Miles Because we, we don't necessarily know exactly what situations will evolve in the coming weeks or months. But, I mean, yes, it does look fairly bleak on the market right now. Um, but obviously there's the whole tie-in with the draft pick and everything. You know, we vowed to our fans and stuff to not talk about <laughs> the tanking or any of those agendas um, that sort of – inherently come up with the nature of where the Mavericks are at in the standings. Uh, where are they currently a game and a half out of the play in Jaren? I, I believe they're a full game, but uh, I think Oklahoma city plays tomorrow. So yeah. So the Mavericks are a full game, uh, give or take out of the play in right now with five games left in the regular season. We are still in the A train. We are still pushing for them to make the playoffs. I can very much clearly acknowledge that uh, the most favorable outcome for this team would be, if they did not make the playoffs and they were able to retain their top 10 pick in terms of a team building perspective, um, you know, especially if Kyrie's going to stay given, you know, some of these quotes recently that that definitely seems a lot more, you know, the confidence meter there is a little more higher, but you still can never be sure. But, 
you know, putting that aside, that doesn't mean that I want them to tank. You know, I still want them with Kyrie and Luca to be successful and go as far as they can in the playoffs. That's the agenda that we want to be pushed. But I mean, I can't acknowledge yet. Yes, there could potentially be other ulterior, better outcomes if those situations presented itself. But we'll just have to see how these last five games unfold. I mean, we're just, we've said this for over the last like two weeks, every game is the most important game of the season at this point. And every game has huge stakes that could potentially, you know, throw you in or throw you out of the play. And just given how long game that Western conference playoff race is. So it's just a wait and see thing. I mean, I, I may sound monotone at this stage because I have to talk about the same, this team's problems and the exact same problems every time that I get on this podcast, but I mean, I'm still holding, you know, biting my fingernails and sitting at the edge of my chair as much as anybody um, at this stage in the year. So, you know, it is what it is. And we just have to wait and see how things turn out. Uh, if otherwise, if you have anything else that you want to add upon this game or any, you know, schematic things, we can dip into how we thought all the guys fared last night, uh, you know, from the 76ers and the Mavericks perspective. Uh, I mean, real quick, I just want to touch up on this. I, I think that this was the first time this season that I've gotten sad. You know, it's not anger. It's sad. It's to that point um, where, you know, you only have a guaranteed five more games of Mavericks basketball. Um, and, you know, there's no guarantee that those games are going to be pretty to watch. So it, it was a little more of a somber uh, into the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but it, it was just one of those things where you just kind of look up at the TV and you're like, you just, you just say, damn, that's all you can say. You just, <laughs> you just say, yeah. damn. Um, yeah, it, it didn't feel too good, but um, yeah, I mean, regarding, uh, you know, the, the um, who played or uh, I guess how, you know, guys some played uh, I, I guess one guy that really stuck out to me, I'm not going to, I don't mention his name a lot, but Tim Hardaway, I thought he played amazing um in 36 minutes i mean he shot 50 percent from the three-point line and had 21 points uh in the fourth quarter he kind of seemed like he was like the only guy keeping the mavericks afloat uh props to him for that i think him and josh green were kind of the the sort of um energy type guys that needed or that were needed at that time in the game uh and they did exactly that and you know tim hardaway had his usual tim hardaway shots nothing you know two out of the norm, but they actually landed. I do know that he missed quite a bit of corner shots and had a few of those hit. Maybe there'd be a different outcome, but, you know, we see the scoreboard now and, you know, he's still, I I thought put up a hell of a game. I I don't know if you want to touch up on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've liked that the actions that they've been using him in recently, especially ever since the Kyrie trade, they've been running these like stagger curl offs for him. But then sometimes, um, you know, like they'll run like a stagger for Kyrie and then they'll have like, and then um, both of the guys screening will um, then screen the other way and it ends up being this sort of fake where Tim comes off of a curl off for the top of the three key. And there's been some different offensive um, just schematics that they've been using to get him open recently. And he's really been knocking down his shots at a high volume recently. I thought he's been playing great ever since he's come back from his injury. Um, he's still, I still saw some rotational mishaps defensively last night for sure. And him being out of place, especially off ball, but on ball, he wasn't honestly that terrible as he's, you know, continued to be decent uh, from that perspective as of recently. So, you know, I thought, yeah, he was one of the better players last night. Uh, let's just go ahead and knock out the two stars. What did you think of Kyrie and Luca's game last night? Yeah, I mean, Kyrie, he kind of 
had a, a little resurgence in the Indiana game. I mean, he didn't, you know, score all too much, but he didn't really have to. Uh, yeah. In this one, I, I just think that he was, you know, at times I felt like he was trying to take over a little too much, but that's just Kyrie being Kyrie. I mean, really? that's exactly what he does. I, not that he was taking over. I just think that, you know, there was some passes that he could have made. Um, maybe not smarter shots because it would have been more of a three-point look. Um, but I don't know. I, I think the buckets that he did get were really tough buckets. He did have yeah. a, a 23 points, which I think is a high for him since like beginning of uh, or before the uh, – charlotte games um but yeah you know i still feel like he had an amazing game um compared to what we've seen over the last week so I, i'm not there, there's no gripes there other than i think that he could have made some more passes but outside of that i, I think that's really the only harp that i can make even defensively i thought he was playing really good yeah he's he, and, and then indiana game i mean I, i'm sure you allude to this during the podcast but that was probably like his best defensive game as a matter yeah, of he, i think he had um what i think it was him who had like two blocks and three steals or something yeah like that. Well, conversely, rather, though, I would reckon that he could have been more aggressive at times. I thought that there were multiple opportunities where really? he okay. could have attacked off closeouts or, you know, he made the extra pass maybe when he shouldn't have. I thought that the Mavericks were really unselfish last night, uh, but I also do think that it played to their downfall on multiple occasions where guys just passed up open shots, you know, more so role players than anything. Uh, but Kyrie, you know, as I've said, anytime that Luke is in the game, he acts as a great ball mover uh, when he's having to you know, take heed and, you know, be the primary creator and things of that nature. He's been pretty, pretty excellent in the pick and roll in those scenarios so far. He obviously doesn't have the size to make some of those crazy passes that Luca does, but I mean, he's been surprising uh, to me with just his, how savvy he is in terms of being able to pass. I mean, he had that nice lob to Tim in transition the other night. Uh, So I thought he did good from that perspective. Uh, You know, I do also though agree that he did take some, you know, tougher shots where he could have probably moved the ball a little bit better uh, to your point. But I do think at large, uh, he honestly could have, he passed up a few open looks, um, but I thought that the split, the rep split with Luca looked good. I, I think that they looked fair, very seamless offensively together. I liked how the, you know, it, it's hard for both of them rather, you know, when you're having, when the whole 76ers, defense is made to funnel guys towards Embiid, you know, as particularly uh, primary bulk handlers and things of that nature. Um, I, I thought Luca did a good job trying to like manipulate and snake pick and rolls. And, you know, they, they used a few Gortat screens to try, try and throw Embiid off his tracks um, in certain scenarios, but it, it was still like a rough process. The, the 76ers are really good at hedging and recover. They have good scramble defense and, um, when the Mavericks weren't able to create a four and three scenario or they weren't able to beat the trap, uh, things did get rough at times uh, for both of those guys. Uh, they had a few lackadaisical turnovers in the second half, but I mean, I, Luca was making his three pointer. Um, he was, you know, there were a few times where he maybe could have got to the rim a little bit better, but uh, you know, he played, you know, he, he went in there and battled and it, it's a tough, tough ass, you know, guy to really, you know, just ask for him to go in there and try and, you know, get to the rim every play and uh, finish over and bead. But I mean, I, I, I think Luca could have maybe done a little bit better job of just, uh, you know, manipulating some of the passing lanes. He kind of, he looked fairly predictable last night. I would have liked to see him attack a little bit more to open those things up for him, but you know, he was still shooting the ball at a high clip and um, I think him, Embiid just got his number, as we could see there at the end of the game. When I mean, it's the thumbnail of this podcast uh, of Joel Embiid, you know, 
obviously blocking Luca in the waning moments of the game to essentially seal the game. So, I mean, he was, I mean, that was just an MVP type play right there, but I mean, yeah, it's just, it is what it is, man. But I, I still think Kyrie and Luca, you know, it wasn't a God moment from them, uh, from either of them for that matter. And it was not their best games in Maverick uniforms, but I, I do think in a game where the Mavericks were hard pressed to find offense, um, maybe barring their fourth quarter, shot diet which i think should have been more they only took five shots combined in the fourth quarter i think they should have looked to you know isolate and maybe defer to some mid-range shots in those moments but barring that throughout the course course of the game i don't really have too many gripes with how they played yeah i mean i would tend to agree uh especially with the luca narrative i think um you know yes i think he ultimately i think he settled on a few threes and wasn't you know as aggressive as i feel like he could have been but i i think that this is one of the more cleaner luca games um, that we've seen in recent times. I mean, just, it, you know, nothing major, 24 points, but almost put up a triple-double. So I just think from a team perspective, this is one of the better games that he's had in a while. But um, outside of that, I, I really don't think there's much to add in terms of, like, Dwight Powell. Um, uh, what do you want to talk about with Reggie? Oh, I do think that there's actually some to add with Dwight Powell. Really? Uh, okay. Rather, yeah. Well, let's hear this. Um, let's I mean, hear Jeff Van Gundy said this during the broadcast, but, I mean, per usual – Anytime he's severely outmatched against like one of the better centers in the league, it's typically like the, those, you know, the sort of albatross center that usually gets him like, um, like OKC Jalen Williams part two or like Poku or, you know, Mo Bamba. Those are the guys that are really going to give Dwight Powell issues time in time out again. But I mean, we, we see the, the stark contrast in terms of, the balls to the wall effort for these national, you know, TV games where he has to get up versus an Embiid. Um, he tried his ass off defensively and he played about as good of pick and roll coverage. I thought as he, he was physically capable of doing so. Okay. Now that I, I say that, you know, with the prerequisite that there are lots of guys that could have played better defense on Embiid than Dwight Powell did last night. And, you know, nobody can stop Embiid, but there are lots of guys who could have played better defense, but, you know, he was constantly in position, doing as much as he could, trying to contest. And I appreciated that much. Uh, he did he did kind of get up. I, you know, for a guy that has this sort of aura of being uh, just so, you know, hustle and balls to the wall all the time, it's interesting to see some of that, you know, defensive fall off versus lesser opponents. Um, but, you know, I, I do think he tried really hard. You know, it was hard to get things going as a drop coverage center and Embiid, you know, that. He can basically just throw anything in terms of that Pal Luca pick and roll to the wayside because that's just not going to fly with him back there. Um, but, you know, Dwight almost got a lob on him, but he missed it and he went to the free throw line, I believe. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, he just did a good job probing in the dunker spot and uh, trying as hard as he could on defense. I'm not going to say playing defense, but trying on defense. Yeah, so I, I did I did fail to forget – or I, I forgot um, Dwight Powell's heroics on the defensive side of things. He did honestly put up a pretty good first half in terms of, you know, at least uh, sticking side-by-side side with Joel Embiid. Um, I believe Embiid only had, like, maybe 11 at the half or, or something comparable to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do concur with what you said. Dwight Powell honestly had one of his better uh, defensive efforts – uh in terms of this season i i do concur with what you said by there um i guess lastly in terms of starters we'll cover reggie bullock i know that he's gotten some flack on twitter a little bit uh you know a pretty bad shooting night or honestly a really bad shooting night um and even defensively he was his kind of uh defense was a little bit in question there i guess is there anything that you really wanted to cover any answers that you wanted to 
um, I guess fully answer because I do know that his name was in question as, you know, why was he out there in clutch time? The the common things um, whenever yeah. it comes to a bad Reggie Bullock game. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it was a bad Reggie Bullock game. I think it was a very average Reggie Bullock game. You know, what did he see what he ended up shooting last night? He One shot in like three for 10. Yeah, he shot three of 10. He just struggled from three. I mean, yeah, he, he was just having a bad shooting game simply as is. Uh, he was still playing decent point of attack defense that uh, Harden Embiid pick and roll is about as dynamic as they come in terms of uh, their ability to just manipulate the defense and, you know, make you uh, react to what they're doing. So, you know, I thought he did a decent job at the point of attack on that. He did a decent job when he was task guarding Maxi. Uh, it wasn't elite defense by any standards. I mean, he wasn't out here, you know, being some sort of gaudy defensive player where he was, you know, like an Ananobi type where he's essentially, you know, shutting you down and getting the steal every play. Um, but he was playing good, solid defense as he, you know, usually does. There were a few times where, you know, he, he got blown by, but he, he's typically as he is, you know, even at his age, always in position, um, you know, he's good on raise rotations, off ball defense, things of that nature. Um, intentionally he'll just get caught lacking because of the lack of athleticism. Um, he had a bad, bad shooting night and it was very ill-timed. Um, and that sort of is what it is, but he's been playing decent recently. So I'm not as attuned to some of those Twitter takes, I guess, as others, but yeah, I mean, he didn't have the best of game shooting wise. So I, I'm not going to negate that. Yeah. I mean, I'll double up on what you said. It, it wasn't the best Reggie Bullock game, but it wasn't a bad Reggie Bullock game. Um, I, I would call it, you know, average to mediocre. Uh, you know, I, I do think that on a defensive side of things, I, I do believe that he honestly had a pretty solid game. Uh, just in the way, especially in the fourth quarter, I felt like he controlled uh, James Harden, or I guess throughout the game, he controlled James Harden um, and Tyrese Maxey for that matter. Um, for majority of it, you know, yes, he did get blown by a few times and he had some timely calls um, that I think, you There's know, a lot, really... of re- a lot of weird referee antics. In that yeah, there, there's there's some calls there, I think, late in game uh, that, you know, uh, first off, either shouldn't have been called or were called really late. Um, it, it was just some weird. Uh, like final five minutes in terms of refing. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from that. I, I do think that Reggie, in terms of that, he, he did fall off a little bit in the fourth quarter, but even still, uh, I felt like he was, you know, at times it felt like he was the only defender on the floor. So, I, you know, I'm not going to take too much away or I'm not going to take too much negatives away from his game. Uh, it simply, as you put it, it was just a bad shooting night. Um, and it, I mean, it came timely because the, this was a must win at the end of the day and it was on live t- on national TV. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I don't think that there should be any calling for his name or any, you know, backlash or anything like that, because I, you know, there's always a scapegoat whenever it comes to Mavericks media and uh, he happened to be it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take too much away from that. I did feel like he played a good defensive game, um, headed to the bench. I guess we'll cover, uh, Maxi Kluba. He was the lone, well, I guess someone else, uh, Josh Green clocked 20 minutes, but he he clocked the most minutes with 26 off the bench. Um, I guess, how did you feel about his game? I don't know. I think I, mean, that- I, I still am on the train of that, you know, there should be continued influx of Wood and Kleber lineups, you know, off the bench or if they're starting together, whatever, which way. But, you know, that's that seems like that's not really something that's where my wish is going to be appeased at this point in the season. I mean, I thought. He played, you know, decent defense when he had to get switched on to guys. You know, he honestly, I thought Powell even at times maybe played better defense on Embiid, but I mean, it's just an impossible guard uh, to really even fathom um, in terms of the, some of those pick and roll coverages. But 
yeah, I mean, barring that, he, he had some weird plays where he like traveled or just didn't look ready to shoot. I would just like to see him be a little bit more confident. You know, he's he's been a guy that's had confidence woes before in the past. I know he's dealing a lot with his, you know, through a lot with his injury right now. But, you know, he had three turnovers tonight. A lot of those were just, you know, in virtue of not knowing exactly where to go with the ball. So I would like him to see just, just to see him be a little bit more confident. But barring that, I mean, he played decent defense. It's a tough ask, you know, out of anybody to guard and beat. And he made a three. So. That, yep. That's really the only uh, call I have for him at the moment. Um, Christian Wood, you know, while he was in there, um, he acted as the lone big man a majority of the time, even though, he, you know, in a very uh, brisk 12 minutes. Uh, he stretched the floor a little bit. He pushed the ball in transition. That's kind of how he got his nine points, you know, got to the free throw line a couple times. Um, you know, he was getting some boards, but, you know, again, just not enough size there to really uh, – be comparable to be Embiid in any sort of fashion. And that just hurt the Mavericks desperately. You know, I thought that the Mavericks in those six JaVale McGee minutes, like honestly looked the best. I would have liked to at least see him get like maybe 10 to 15, just the way he was playing in this game. I'm not talking about his season at large. I I'm just talking about this sort of pseudo resurgence that we're getting from him. But I mean, he didn't get any blocks or anything, but he went there and clogged the paint and he didn't, he didn't play in the Embiid minutes. He was primarily going up against guys like Paul Reed, things of that nature. So I mean, but you could see that his impact on the game was immediate. And I mean, maybe the Mavericks do need him to play more, but you know, I know they're desperate for answers at this point in the season, but uh, like I said, just tread carefully in that direction. Cause we've seen a whole lot of bad from JaVale barring just these last two games. And, um, but yeah, and then he, he scored, I think once in the pick and roll. So yeah, uh, that's as far as those guys go um, in terms of the few young bucks, I was going to kind of let you have the floor with Josh Green and Jaden Hardy. Uh, what'd you think of how they played last night? Yeah, I think Josh Green yet again had another, you know, timid uh, offensive game, you know, one where should have taken a few more shots or should have closed out or uh, should have acted, should have been more aggressive on some closeouts. Um, You know, just the the usual gripes with him over the last like two to three weeks. Um, You know, even still, I I didn't feel like he had the most amazing or uh, the the worst game offensively. I think that there's, you know, uh, in terms of a rebounding perspective, I think he had a really good game. He kept some possessions alive. That. That definitely yeah, that his been. energy is yeah. always ever prevalent, uh, regardless of how, you know, he's feeling offensively. But yeah, it, it's just, it is a stark contrast to your point, um, really just throughout these last 10 to 15 games versus before the all-star break. It it just looks like a totally different player at times. Uh, yeah, it does. Of, I, you know, his ability to get to the rim and take guys off the dribble, it just seems as if that's an asset that, seemingly left him and I don't think it's something that left him entirely but I do think that he's having some confidence bouts right now and um, it, it definitely increases the one-dimensionality of this team when he's not able to do things like that uh, and we're starting to see that as we uh, really come down the stretch here that I think that it's actually been a very underlying aspect of things that's hurt this team within recent games that I don't think much people at all are talking about yeah I mean I think I'm gonna be honest I think you said that perfectly so uh, even from a defensive perspective, I feel like he's been a little less aggressive. Um, it, it just that controlled aggression. I think that he's, he's lost, he's been too aggressive, I guess you can say. So uh, I guess uh, pretend like you didn't hear that his controlled aggression has honestly, you know, kind of disappeared at times. I didn't feel like we really saw that. Um, I mean, it, it does play into some effect, you know, having an over-aggressive player, you know, especially on the offensive side, as I mentioned with the offensive rebounding, but from the defensive side, uh, you know, he didn't have a high foul game or anything like that, but he just had some bad closeouts. 
um, you know, either was nowhere to be found uh, or was over aggressive and it, it caused for some yeah. easy, easy uh, drives inside. Um, and I, you know, for that alone, I think that he honestly had a pretty bad defensive game, which you don't really hear a lot of. Uh, you know, at the very least, that's his we're one. Seeing, safe we're spot. hearing a lot more average defensive games from him recently. He just yeah, like, for, yeah, and I, I don't know. It's just especially off the bench. Like you look, who's a defense aside from Maxi? Like there's really zero defense off the bench. So to have him coming off the bench and basically provide, you know, at best average over this last few stretch or over this last week of stretch and you know games and whatever, uh, it's honestly as you said, and I think you said it perfectly. It's hurt this team uh, over the last ten to fifteen games. Um, I guess lastly, we'll cover Jaden Hardy. Um, I, I think that this guy, or I guess Hardy, you know, I think that this is the first time in a while we've seen him hit a rookie wall. Uh, just kind of went up on some I mean, shots. I, I say that's drastic. Up. I mean, he had he didn't have the best well, shooting game, but compared but... to what we've seen, it, it was a quote unquote. Yeah. Rookie. Um, I, I think that there are some drives that he took inside where you know, either could have pulled up for a mid range, taken some smarter shots, or just passed out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think, you know, going to the rim at times or going to the glass at times being uh, sort of more aggressive, definitely hurt him. Um, and I, I do, I think it was just, you know, I, I don't know how many, I think it was one time he was blocked, but it, it was kind in of transition. Cringe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, in transition, that's what, yeah, that's what exactly what it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, I, I do think that he just had a little bit of a negative uh, shooting game, still finished with 50% from the three point line and eight points in this game. And for assists, I think that's an underrated stat that he's honestly provided over the last few weeks. But, um, yeah, I don't think anything major uh, out of him. You know, I'm not going to take away much. But, yeah, you know, he, he clocked in 18 minutes yeah. and for a while in that first half. It looked like he was getting yeah. a legit role up until he kind of hit a quote-unquote rookie wall. But mm-hmm. um, I, he, he didn't look bad. Um, I just don't think he looked as great as he has over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, his evolution as a tertiary ball handler has been something that's uh... – really affected this team in a positive aspect over the last like week or two. Um, And this may not be attributed to wins and things of that nature, just given some of the other issues that persist on this team, but he's been, um, he's been a a beacon of hope in a very, very dark palace. Um, But yeah, I mean, Jaden Hardy, he's been playing great recently. I mean, just from his catch and shoot uh, numbers uh, to his ability to take guys off the dribble. And even like you said, Jaron, you know, run those pick and rolls, um, we're seeing his ability to, you know, find the weak side shooter in a pick and roll versus earlier when he would just try to force a layup. We're starting to see him sift through some of those um, intricacies uh, from an offensive side of things. And that's that's really something that you look for from a developmental side, from a mental side uh, as a rookie coming into this league. But um, we're, we're seeing him evolve, you know, in front of our very own eyes. Uh, he, I expect him to only get better and better. And especially as, you know, like come next season, like we, I, I think that we we could easily pencil him in as like the distinguished backup point guard for the Mavericks. I don't necessarily know how oh, all that's hey, going to go. Don't say that. Let don't say that yet. We we saw, we thought the Mavericks would be a three seed this year, so don't don't say that yet. <laughs> well, I mean that that's not necessarily like well, okay, no, I know, but good. Like that's just, I I know, I know. I I would pencil him in as a rotational piece, uh, whether off the bench. I don't think he's gonna be a starter anytime soon, but I yeah. do think off the bench he, you know. Yeah. For no, next but I mean, year. he's like one of the only guys like when he's on and of course, and I'm not negating uh, and, you know, I, I'm not, I'm on the hardy hype train, but I'm not in the hard, hardy, stupid train. I do think that there cool. are, <laughs> there are obviously um, still a lot of woes that he suffers from, you know, he's not totally figured it out offensively. 
And, you know, you can attribute like some of the things he is tonight were just some of that preemptive, uh, you know, basketball that he starts to play where, you know, he starts predicting things that do not end up coming into fruition, whether, you know, being getting to the rim or uh, shooting, you know, try, shooting a shot when a guy goes over on a screen, things like that. There's still a lot of holes that he's going to need to patch, but I mean, he's, he's going to be a cog in this rotation, uh, hopefully for years to come, if that ends up, you know, coming into fruition, who knows if it does, the Mavericks have already lost uh, one star point guard that they drafted in the second round, early in the second round. Um, I'm not necessarily saying Hardy's going to be a star, but they do have a track record of screwing things of that nature up. So, but we, we will see. Um, but nonetheless, I, I thought, you know, yeah, he suffered a little bit of, you know, and I just want to preface everybody to keep the expectations low. I mean, he's, he's been playing well recently and he deserves, like I said, at least 10 to 20 minutes in the rotation, but, you know, don't be fooled by some of these bigger point nights from him because he can, you know, still get after it really hard um, at times when, you know, he's just not able to, you know, get to the rim or he's hitting a rookie wall, things of that nature. So that's all I would say with that, but I think he did play pretty decent. Yeah, no, I, I definitely tend to agree with everything you said. Um, I mean, outside of that, just from, uh, I guess, a whole game, uh, or at least reverting back to the game, uh, I think it's more of what we've seen or what we've become accustomed to seeing, uh, either three really good quarters and a collapse in the fourth or, you know, just nothing to begin with. But um, definitely, you know, a, a little bit more of a somber uh, sad sort of approach or sort of podcast. I don't think we've had very many of these. Um, but yeah, hey, I you mean, want to talk about any of the 76ers? We yeah, we can, up? we can mention some 76ers. Um, I thought Embiid, yeah, his block on Luca was MVP esque, but is there anybody, uh, Paul Reed? I didn't know that he clocked that many minutes for them. I mean, yeah, uh, I thought everybody had their sort of stereotypical performances. Yeah. Um, like Embiid, he played, I mean, it wasn't the in, most insane, prolific stat sheet from him but I mean he played like an MVP he got a little in a little bit of foul trouble but I mean you still saw his dominance on the game uh really come threefold there uh I thought Matt Tyrese Maxi, he got out in transition really well was doing it making the Mavericks pay anytime they went under and under on screens um you know when he's shooting the ball they're a really hard team to stop uh Harden had a rough game shooting the ball but I mean he he's been a great ball mover and uh, you know, pick and roll facilitator for them. So he continues to serve a role at this stage in his career. Um, you know, PJ Tucker didn't do much. You know, he's kind of just out there playing defense. And you know, he did he did shoot a floater tonight though, Darren. He, he, he did. He did. It wasn't just that one corner three. He did he did go in there and shoot a floater. Um, I, I will I will admit early in the game, I was pretty I was uh picking one Sixers player to end the Maverick season and I picked George's kneeing and he played Ah uh, yes he he never disappoints <laughs> the uh the self-proclaimed um, Iowa State fame. He came in there, man, and, you know, he was making everything in the pick and pop off screen. He, got chippy. he, he even got in it. Yeah, no, he, he was uh, he was getting at the Mavericks. Uh, but that was to be expected. D'Anthony Melton, I yeah. mean, he, he's almost comparable to as good as Maxie is just because of the defensive impact he also holds him for that team. I mean, he just does a little bit of everything. Uh, great game, man, from one of the better role players in our league, in my opinion. 33 minutes, uh, five of six from three. I mean, what else can you ask for? Uh, great point of attack defense on the other end, you know, six, five point guard. Like, there's just Paul Reed, you know, he, he came in, filled a cog as a really good rebounder, uh, had some impressive effort plays there, but didn't really do a whole lot of everything. 
Um, Jalen McDaniels, brother of Minnesota Timberwolves forward, Jaden McDaniels. He played decent. He had a weird little stretch in the uh, end of the third quarter where they, you know, called the foul for him essentially. Uh, was it like, was it Tim Hardaway Jr. that he just elbowed? Uh, yeah, and that's what started the the fight with um, George Neing and everybody. Oh, yeah, and then they had a little scuffle and everything. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't big or anything, hence why we didn't mention it earlier in the podcast. But uh, he knocked down a corner three. He's wire. He plays some good defense, but he's not as a complete of an offensive player as his, as his brother. Uh, and he, I think he's a little skinny, more wiry. He he doesn't have um, that sort of bust potential or that boom potential on defense as his brother does just due to, you know, he needs to add some size and things like that. But they're very, they're fairly comparable in terms of their play style, I would say. And um, I, I, you know, I think he's a really good rotational player off the bench for them. But yeah, I mean, they had some guys that impressed last night, but uh, I wouldn't say that the game was necessarily there for the taking because they're a really good team. Um, but the game was there for the taking for the Mavericks. The Sixers did suffer a lot of shooting woes and they had a lot of neg- negative regression from three, you know, barring Melton and Niang. And, you know, that that kept the Mavericks in the game and they simply did not uh, take advantage of it. So that kind of is what it is. Um, but, you know, as Jaron kind of said, it was a, more of a somber podcast, but that's just sort of the nature of things. It sucks. Um, but we'll be back. Uh, who are the Mavericks playing next year? Saturday night, the Miami Heat. Saturday night versus the Miami Heat. We'll be, we will be back for that one as the Mavericks go to the AAA instead of the AAC, the American Airlines Arena. No, it's not Amer- It's not American Airlines. I don't even know what it is anymore. They've had like five different names this year. Oh, it's not? Oh, that's wild. It, it, it was FTX and then the whole FTX Oh, thing I happened. remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who even knows what they are at this point? Um, but hopefully they win. Nah, we just need wins at this point in the season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just praying and – Otherwise, this, I mean, I'd be lying to you guys if I didn't think that this, you know, we're obviously going to get more narrative based, you know, as things are more clear and we know exactly what's going to happen. But uh, morale is low over here at Mainstream Mavs. And needless to say, we're we're still, you know, on the same boat as you guys in terms of thinking that the Mavericks are, if we had to guess right now, if I had to make a prediction that the Mavericks probably will not make the playoffs or the play-in, I would probably – uh, attest to that and stand by that if i had to make a prediction right now uh, you know th- this yeah. is going to be the youtube question of the day right here for any of you guys listening on youtube this is the youtube question of the day will the mavericks make the playoffs or the play-in comment down below jaron what's your answer to that if you had to predict uh, just one word one word uh no they will not all right jaron holds symphony is me otherwise the, their season will end in the Miami Dade Arena. Oh, uh, this is going to be the this is uh, the penultimate loss for the right for they go on to lose like three or four more to end the season. But uh, otherwise, you guys can catch us at um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to give us a five star rating and give us a review. You can review and say whatever you want in the review. If you like Jaron's new mustache, um, if you like my uh, Jeffrey Dahmer s glasses. Uh, <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that in the podcast, but I do get a lot of comments about that. So, you know, if you like any of those things, you can definitely comment down below. Or if you actually like our podcast, we would really appreciate that. Give us a rating down below. Uh, subscribe to us. Follow us. Turn on post notices. Whatever you guys would like to do. Uh, also, make sure to, of course, like, comment, and subscribe if you are listening on YouTube. And if you guys have not already, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. But barring that, we will catch you in the next one after the Heat game. Mainstream Mavs signing out. Bye-bye.